All right, welcome back to the Through the Psalms podcast. I'm Wesley Provine, and today we're going to be talking about Psalm 17. This is a prayer of David. That's what the superscription says. And the classification for this psalm is a lament psalm. If you remember, a lament psalm contains a plea for deliverance and defense uh, from one's enemies or from a certain situation uh, of oppression or distress. Now, David here in this psalm is being oppressed by his enemies. He's being falsely accused. And he prays to God for deliverance and protection. Now, the outline of the psalm, in verses 1 and 2, you have the prayer for vindication. In verses 3 and 4, you have a prayer of examination. Verses 5 through 9, you have a prayer for protection. Verses 10 and 12, you have a description of the wicked. Verses 13 and 14, you have a prayer for intervention. And verse 15, you have a prayer of anticipation. Okay, so let's go ahead and read the psalm and then we'll discuss it. Psalm 17, verse 1. Hear the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry, give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of feigned lips. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes behold the the things that are equal. Thou hast proved mine heart, thou hast visited me in the night, thou hast tried me, and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the words of men, by the word of thy lips I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Hold up my goings in thy paths, that my footsteps slip not. I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me, O God. Incline thine ear unto me, and hear my speech. Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of thine eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. From the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who compass me about, they are enclosed in their own fat, With their mouth they speak proudly. They have now compassed us in our steps. They have set their eyes bowing down to the earth, like as a lion that is greedy of his prey, and as it were a young lion lurking in secret places. Arise, O Lord, disappoint him, cast him down, deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword. From men which are thy hand, O Lord, from men of the world which have their portion in this life, and in whose belly thou fillest with thy hid treasure. They are full of children, and leave the rest of their substance to their babes. As for me, I will behold as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Okay, so going back to verse one, David prays to God. And when he says, hear the right, he's saying, hear a just cause. Or he's saying, as the NIV says, hear, O Lord, my righteous plea. So he's asking God to hear his prayer, his plea. And at the end of that verse, he talks about the, his prayer that goeth not out of feigned lips or deceitful lips. What he's saying is that he, uh, 
is praying from a sincere heart and his words are sincere. There's no pretense. He's not uh, dissembling, but he's coming before the Lord honestly and asking God to hear his prayer. Um, Charles Spurgeon on this verse in his Treasuries of David, or Treasury of David, uh, he says, hypocritical piety is double iniquity. He, and he goes on to say, he who would deceive God is himself already most grossly deceived. And he's talking about prayer there. And so what he's saying is that if we pray in a hypocritical way, or if we try to deceive God in our prayer and we're not honest with God, uh, those prayers aren't going to get very far. God sees right through that. But David is saying he's, he's coming before the Lord honestly. He's got nothing to hide. And he's asking the Lord to hear his honest uh, plea uh, for deliverance. All right. Um, and, and I think we may have talked about this before, but, you know, our prayers have, there's certain conditions to our prayers being answered. And the Psalms talks about some of those. Uh, elsewhere in the Psalms, it talks about if we regard iniquity in our heart, if we regard sin in our lives, that the Lord won't hear our prayer. Uh, in another part of the Psalms, it talks about if we close our ears to the cry of the poor and we fail to show compassion on those in need, that the Lord may shut out our prayer. Uh, obviously, if we're not honest, if our prayer comes from uh, deceitful lips, the Lord's probably not going to hear our prayer. Uh, in the New Testament, we learn from Jesus that if we don't forgive others, then that's going to hinder our relationship with the Lord. And he says that uh, if we don't forgive others, then, then we won't be forgiven. Um, also, Jesus talks about the importance of having faith and believing in what you pray for. So if we pray without faith, uh, that's going to be a problem or a hindrance to our prayers. Um, Jesus talks about uh, praying in his name. So if we're not a believer and we don't believe in Christ, and uh, then that's going to hinder our prayers because Jesus is our mediator. He is our high priest. So if we're not going through Jesus, our prayers are not getting through. So there's a lot of um, conditions that need to be met for our prayers to be heard, and all these come from the Word of God. And so that's why it's important that we study the Word of God. One of the reasons why is so we know how our prayers can be answered. And so here David is talking about the importance of sincerity and honesty in our prayers, being open before God, being sincere and honest. All right, let's move on to verse 2. Uh, when In the King James, when he says, Let my sentence come forth from thy presence, uh, that word sentence means vindication. And then at the end of that verse, when it says, uh, Let thine eyes behold that things are equal, that word equal means upright. So the NIV says, May my vindication come from you. May your eyes see what is right. So here David is praying for vindication. Once again, we've seen this over and over again in the Psalms. He feels like he's been done wrong by his enemies or mistreated. And he's praying for God to vindicate him. And to look upon the things that are right. Uh, 
So whenever we struggle with uh, maybe being treated unjustly or mistreatment or false accusations against us, then we can follow the pattern of David here and take it to the Lord and ask the Lord to vindicate us and you know, put our trust in him to handle the situation. Now that's easier said than done. Sometimes that's hard to do, but that's what... Uh, that's the pattern we have here from David. Okay, moving along to verse 3. Uh, he says, Thou hast proved mine heart. That word proved means tested. Thou hast visited me in the night. That word visited means search me out. Thou hast tried me. That word means examined. So he's talking about the Lord searching him, testing him, examining him. And David says, and shalt find nothing, or he shall find nothing evil. So David's saying, if you know the Lord examines me, he's not going to find anything evil. I'm right with the Lord. I've confessed my sin. I have a clean conscience, is what David's saying. Uh, and then he ends that verse by saying, I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Uh, the NIV says, I've resolved that my mouth will not sin. So... Um, that's another important part of prayer is we need to have a clean conscience uh, when we come to the Lord in prayer. And David said that he did, that he, he was ready for the Lord to search him and to examine him. And he was resolved not to sin uh, with his tongue. Another quote from Charles Spurgeon from his uh, Treasury of David uh, He's talking about the tongue here, and he says, Hands and feet one may bind, but who can fetter the lips? Iron bands may hold a madman, but what chains can restrain the tongue? And he goes on to say, Lion taming and serpent charming are not to be mentioned in the same category as tongue taming, for the tongue can no man tame. And so he's probably getting that from the book of James. We talked about that in a previous psalm, so I'm not going to go into great detail about the tongue since we've already discussed this. But uh, he's, again, just like James did, Spurgeon here is comparing the tongue to a, a wild animal and saying it's easier to tame a lion or a serpent than it is to tame uh, the tongue. And yet David said he was resolved that he would not sin with his tongue. Okay, um, now you might ask when, you know, what's the occasion for this psalm? What, what is David going through? Well, I couldn't find anything um, on that, and, and so we don't know for certain uh, when he wrote this psalm. But if I had to guess, I would guess it was probably when he was being pursued and, and persecuted by King Saul, uh, because we know that that time in his life, David was completely innocent and he was being completely, uh, uh, he was being unfairly treated and, you know, Saul was chasing him and pursuing him. And so this kind of lines up with that um, time in his life, but uh, we probably can't say that for sure. And, and we don't know exactly when he wrote it, but it's likely that he wrote this uh, when King Saul was persecuting him. Okay, let's go ahead and move to uh, verse 4. Uh, 
this verse, when it talks about the words of men, actually that should be translated the works of men or the deeds of men. And the word destroyer probably refers to violence. So the NIV in verse 4 says, As for the deeds of men, by the word of your lips I have kept myself from the ways of the violent. And so David here is saying that God's word has kept him from the wrong path. It is God's word has taken him away from the path of violence, the way of the, the path of the destroyer, and has taken him down, God's word has taken him down the right road, the correct road. And so, you know, we learn a lot about prayer from David, but here we learn also the importance of God's word, to meditate upon God's word, so it takes us down the right path in life. Okay, in verses 5 through 7, you have a prayer of David. uh, And he says in verse 5, Hold up my goings in thy path, that my footsteps slip not. So he's asking God for protection, for support. He's asking that God would help him not to slip, not to uh, mess up. Uh, Because his enemies are persecuting him and pursuing him, he doesn't want to give them... Uh, any ammunition. Uh, I read last week a quote that said, uh, I think it was from the Life Application Study Bible, it said, you can't keep men from speaking evil against you, but you can stop them, uh, you can stop giving them ammunition. And I think David's concern here in this verse 5 is he knows his enemies are after him, so he doesn't want to give them any ammunition. He doesn't want to slip and fall and give them a place to attack him. And so he's asking God to hold him up that his footsteps slip not. He goes on to ask God in verse, or in verse 6, he says that he has called upon God and he, he has confidence that God will hear him. He asks God to uh, incline his ear unto him and hear his speech or hear his prayer. And that's another common refrain in the Psalms where David says, Incline thine ear unto me. He's asking God to hear his prayer and to listen to what he's saying. Uh, in verse 7, he, he uh, asks God to show him his marvelous loving kindness. Uh, the NIV says, Show the wonder of your great love. And so uh, that's just a beautiful uh beautiful language there where where David is praying that God would shower his love upon him and he says that God is is the one that saves by the by his right hand those that put their trust in him uh, against those who uh, are his foes so uh, the the language of uh, the right hand you'll find that a lot in scripture and that is uh, in the Old Testament times, the right hand was the, the hand of power. It symbolizes power and strength and authority. And, and so David is appealing uh, to God's power to deliver him and save him from his enemies. So a beautiful prayer there in verses 5 through 7. Uh, these are prayers that, that we can pray in our own lives. You'll find that a lot throughout the Psalms, is you'll find 
uh, if you have trouble knowing what to pray, you can just read the Psalms and there are, are prayers in there that you can pray in your own life. And so the, the Psalms uh, gives you uh, wonderful ideas uh, for what to pray for. Uh, verse 8 is another beautiful verse. David asks God to keep me as the apple of the eye. I think when I read it the first time I said apple of thine eye, but it says apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. So what is the apple of the eye? That is the pupil. He's asking uh, God to protect him as the pupil of the eye. Well, we know that the eye is a very sensitive organ or a very sensitive member of our body. And it's set back in our skull. It's, it's surrounded by bone. Uh, we also have eyelids and eyelashes to protect our eye. Uh, and so we know that if something comes at our eye, we're very quick to protect it, to close our eyelid and to move our head away from whatever's coming at us uh, because we know that our eye is sensitive. And he's, David here is asking God to protect, um, protect him just like somebody would protect their own eye. And he also uses the picture or the metaphor of a bird uh, and, and their wings, uh, you know, that the uh, mother bird will cover uh, her babies with her wings and protect them. And uh, he, he's asking God to cover him with the shadow of his wings. Of course, this is symbolic language. I mean, it doesn't mean that God literally has wings. It's using symbolic language to talk about how God can protect us and shelter us from harm. And so this is, verse 8 is a prayer of protection. He's asking God to protect him uh, and keep him safe and to shelter him from these enemies. So this is another good prayer that we can also pray. We can pray this in our own life. Lord, keep us, from, keep us as the apple of thine eye. Hide us under the shadow of your wings. All right, moving along to verse 9. Um, he, now, what is David asking prayer for? Well, verse 9 tells us he's asking prayer of protection from the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who compass me or surround me. Uh, so he's asking God to protect him from these uh, oppressors, from these deadly enemies. Uh, so we learn uh, from the Psalms that uh, the enemy is real. Uh, we can't just ignore the enemy and act like he doesn't exist. Uh, we know in the New Testament, in uh, 1 Peter, I think it is, where Peter warns us about Satan, our main enemy, and he describes him as a roaring lion who seeks whom he may devour. And so there we have Satan compared to a lion, and that's interesting because in this psalm, Later on, it's going to talk about a lion. But we also have um, people sometimes, unfortunately, that are our enemies. And so David prays for protection from them as well. And since he mentions um, deadly enemies, this seems to indicate that his life was in danger. This, these weren't just people that were uh, saying things about him or making false accusations, but these were people that were trying to pursue him and kill him. 
And that's another reason why I think it could be referring to the time in his life when King Saul was pursuing him because his life was in danger several times as Saul tried to literally kill David but uh, was, uh, was unable to do that because God was protecting him. All right, well, moving on to verse 10. Uh, they are enclosed in their own fat with their mouth. They speak proudly. Now, this word fat probably refers to uh, a calloused heart. If you read other versions, it talks about uh, the heart. The NIV says they close up their calloused hearts and their mouths speak with arrogance. And so these wicked people, their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were calloused. They... Uh, their hearts were not sensitive to the Lord. They really had no interest in doing what God wanted them to do. They were uh, people with hardened hearts. And when you think of a hardened heart, you think of, at least I think of Pharaoh in the Old Testament, where Moses was trying to get Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go and to leave Egypt, to go into the promised land, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. And sometimes it says he hardened his heart. Sometimes it says God hardened his heart. But uh, Pharaoh would not let the children children of Israel go, even though all these plagues had come upon Egypt. Pharaoh refused to listen to the word of the Lord, and refused to grant Moses' request until the very end. You know, after the uh, after all the plagues were um, were done, uh, then finally they left. But then Pharaoh ends up pursuing. Uh, the children of Israel into the Red Sea. So uh, these wicked people had calloused hearts and they also spoke proudly. And that also uh, was something Pharaoh did. He spoke very proudly and arrogantly. Uh, he didn't know God and he uh, was full of himself and, uh, and Pharaoh didn't submit to God. Okay, so moving on to uh, verse 11 here. Um, let's look at verses 11 and 12. This, again, is speaking about his enemies, speaking about these wicked people. And there in uh, verse 11 and 12, it talks about how they have compassed him or surrounded him. And... It compares them to a lion uh, that is greedy for his prey. It uh, compares them to a lion crouching down, getting ready to pounce upon him. And this is interesting uh, language because back in Psalm 10, if you remember, we also talked about lions and how David compared his enemies, in, compared his enemies to lions. And as I just said a few moments ago, Peter compares Satan to a lion. And so these enemies are like wild animals who are uh, pursuing David and crouching down, getting ready to leap upon him. And he feels surrounded by them. And so there's a real threat here to David's life. Uh, and so you can just if you put yourself in David's shoes. This would be very difficult. Uh, your life is in danger. You have people trying to kill you. Uh, you're surrounded. You feel alone. And so you can see why he calls out to God and asks God to uh, deliver him from this. All right, in verse 13, he 
you have the intervention or the prayer for intervention. He asks God to intervene uh, for him. He says, arise, O Lord, disappoint him. That word could be translated, confront him, cast him down, deliver my soul from the wicked, uh, which is thy sword, uh, or with thy sword. So the NIV says, Rise up, O Lord, confront them, bring them down, rescue me from the wicked by your sword. So he asked God to arise, to deliver him, and to intervene in this situation. And he talks about a sword that the Lord has. Um, Hebrews 4.12 talks about the word of God being sharper than any two-edged sword. And you know, we, we know from Genesis that God created the universe just by speaking it into existence. He just spoke the word and it, and it came into being. That's how powerful the words of the Lord are. And so this sword could be referring to the word of the Lord or it could just be uh, metaphorical language to show that God uh, does have the power of the sword and he can uh kill these enemies of David and so but whatever the case he knows that that God has the power to rescue him and he's asking God to rise up and to deliver him from this uh, situation and from these people who are trying to kill him verse 14 is kind of a difficult verse Uh, in the King James when you read it it sounds like all of verse 14 is talking about these enemies of David, but in other versions, verse 14 is kind of split up into two parts with the first part talking about his enemies and the second part actually talking about uh, the righteous. So uh, I'm going to read the NIV of verse 14. It says, O Lord, by your hand, save me from such men, from men of this world whose reward is in this life. You still the hunger of those you cherish, their sons have plenty, and they store up wealth for their children. So he's asking the Lord to save him from these men that we've been talking about. And he, he describes these men as men of this world whose reward is in this life. So these are not believers. These are people that their focus is on this world and what they can get in this world whereas David's focus is on the Lord and his inheritance in the Lord. So there's a contrast there. Uh, These are worldly, unbelieving people. But then it switches gears, and he says, you still the hunger of those you cherish. Their sons have plenty, and they store up wealth for their children. So it talks about how the Lord will satisfy the righteous. And he will provide for the righteous, which is contrasted with the the previous part. The men of this world, they seek their own reward. They try to get it by their own hand, but the righteous trust in the Lord and let the Lord provide uh, for them. And that brings up the question of where is our satisfaction coming from? Do we find satisfaction in this world? Or do we find satisfaction in the Lord? And oftentimes you see people around you that are wicked or unbelieving and they are prospering. And it can be hard sometimes to not be envious or resentful. But 
we have to remember that the Word of God says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. So the Lord will provide for us, but we have to put our trust in the Lord, and He will bless us. We also have to remember that our main reward is not in this life, it's in the life to come. So whether we're rich or poor in this world, we have to remember that our hope is in the life to come. All right, moving to the last verse of this psalm, verse 15. David says, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Here you have the anticipation of David. Though he's going through these troubles and he's being persecuted, he is looking forward to the day when he is in heaven with the Lord. This verse is probably referring to... uh, that moment when he goes to heaven and he's able to see God face to face. Um, and he talks about being able to see God's face in righteousness. And he, he says that he will be satisfied when I awake is probably a euphemism for when he dies and goes to heaven. And he will see his likeness. So David here is looking forward to when he would be able to see God and be with God and be delivered out of all these troubles that he's currently going through. I wanted to read 1 John 3, 2, because it it kind of goes along these lines. In 1 John 3, 2, it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. To me, that's very similar similar language to uh, what we just read in Psalm seventeen fifteen. Uh, we are to grow in Christ's likeness as Christians. The Bible talks about sanctification and becoming more like Christ. And there, what we just read in First John seems to indicate that when we see Christ, we shall be like Him. Uh, and so, that is our hope: is when we see Jesus face to face, and He. Uh, gives us a new body and we're delivered out of all the troubles and sorrows of this world. Second Corinthians 3 also talks a little bit about this. It mentions Moses and the glory on his face and how he had to put a veil over his face because the, his face shone from the glory of the Lord. And then it talks about the believer, how we, will, we look in a mirror and we have the glory of the Lord on our face and we're changed. As we look at the Lord, we're changed into his likeness and we become more and more like Christ in his character. So in conclusion, as we look at Psalm 18, uh, I'm sorry, not Psalm 18, but in, in, as we look at Psalm 17, uh, what can we uh, learn from this psalm? Well, we see here a contrast again between the righteous and the wicked. We see David, the righteous man who trusts in the Lord, and then we see his enemies who are wicked and persecuting him. And the wicked's trust is in their selves and in the world and in what they can get for themselves. And David's trust is in the Lord and in heaven. And so we see quite the contrast between David and his enemies here. Also, the idea of satisfaction comes up. Where do we find our satisfaction? Do we find our satisfaction in the Lord or do we find our satisfaction in worldly things? And we know that worldly things will only provide temporary 
satisfaction. It's not lasting. It's, it's not anything that endures. So we will only find permanent joy and satisfaction in the Lord. And in verse 15, we have the blessed hope, the hope of Jesus and eternal life through him, uh, living in heaven with him. So again, just like the previous psalm, uh, Psalm 16, this ends on a very hopeful note, um, talking about heaven and eternal life uh, in Christ. Well, I hope you enjoyed this psalm. That's all I have for this week. And uh, I pray God's blessings upon you. Uh, Thank you again for listening. And uh, Lord willing, we'll do this again next week. Thank you.